Welcome to Sports BKC, the Kansas City Stars Daily Sports Podcast. It's Wednesday, April 22nd, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. How many running backs will go in the first round of Thursday's NFL draft, and could the Chiefs be in the market for one? Star columnist Vahe Gregorian and I talk about the evolution of the position on the field and in the draft on today's episode. Okay, two things before we get started. I'm doing a little post-production editing here. In our conversation, I mentioned to Vahe that the last running back to be selected first overall was Bo Jackson in 1986. Well, Bo was first that year, but in 1995, Penn State's Kajana Carter was taken first overall. Sorry to mislead you, Vahe. The second heads up is this. I mentioned early in my conversation that we're covering several topics today. That turned out to be not true. We spent so much time chatting about running backs that we ran long, and we'll save the rest of our conversation for Thursday. Please tune in then when Vahe and I cover a couple more draft-related topics. So let's get started with today's chat with Vahe. All right, Vahe, are you ready for a draft? Well, Blair, uh... I think the the draft is uh, always interesting, and I, I dare say it's been perhaps elevated in the minds of some, given the uh, place it occupies in the sports landscape this time around. Well, let's just say that um, on the night that sports stopped for most of America, and certainly for us, March 11th or 12th, whatever that day was, we haven't covered a sporting event since then. And in that time, we would have covered many NCAA tournament games, uh, opening day for the Royals, uh, spring training, more spring training for the Royals, and then opening day. Um, there would have been events to to cover. There hasn't been one for almost six weeks. Yeah, and it's strange. Now that you say this, I might be forgetting something, but I think the last sporting event I ca- covered that counted was the Super Bowl. Really? Because I went down to spring training. I was there for a week or so. Had a week vacation. I don't think I covered any basketball, uh, just as we were getting ready for doing some stuff leading up to NCAA tournament time. I I think the last event I covered was the Super Bowl. How about that? Yeah. Yeah. And I'll tell you something that I've thought of. Game-wise. Right, yeah. right, right. Just yeah, yeah. being at a game and yeah, writing a game column. Game yeah. Uh, my wife Karen and I heard last night on the news that the COVID-19 was in the Bay Area couple of weeks two to three weeks before it was uh the first death in seattle which i think was february 29th karen and i were in the bay area on the the last weekend in february and uh and we just thought ooh, ugh, um how about that well how about that I, I did i saw that report and i've thought about this a little bit and you know i don't need to take us too far afield here but i mean we went to mexico on uh that trip, as far as I, that trip in mid-February, as far as I know, it was it was uh, untouched time and 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 all that. But it it reminds you that you don't know what was where when, and, right? And uh, um, and that's how sinister and insidious this whole thing is. I think we were both on planes that weekend. Yeah, that's true. I think we were. I think we figured out we might have even been on planes on the same day or yeah, somewhere in there. Right. And, um, and you know this is. This was a really weird episode, but honestly, now that I'm thinking about this, <laughs> we were on a plane to Mexico through Houston. A person died on our plane flight. It was a person who got on the flight very ill. Now, Elderly person. Elderly person. Um, we have no reason to think it was or wasn't this virus, but it does make you wonder, you know, what 
was the root cause. I, actually, my wife, being the former reporter and actually current reporter that she is, did follow up with the Houston Health Authorities to find out the cause of death, and it was a heart heart disease. Um, anyway, I, I told you I wasn't going to go far afield here, and, and, and look at me now. <laughs> well, it's it's going to be great to have a live sporting event yeah. over the weekend, starting Thursday, and, and of course with the first round of the NFL Draft, which continues with rounds two and three on Friday, and then four through seven on on Saturday. Uh, Herbie Teope and Sam McDowell, who are our day-to-day beat writers for the Chiefs, uh, were talking. We, we were talking on a, for a podcast earlier this week how different it's going to be for the NFL. Uh, Roger Goodell is going to be in his his uh, his home in Westchester, New York. And, of course, the, the Chiefs, like all the 31 other NFL teams, will be working out of their homes, right? Brett Veach, Andy Reid, they'll all be working out of their homes to, um, to conduct the draft. And that's going to present challenges and, and issues. Uh, uh, but one thing I didn't talk to them about that I wanted to ask you is it's going to be different for us, too, and for the media covering the, the, the draft because we'll be working out of our homes, maybe some in offices, but – but not at the not at the um, site, not on site. We're always at the can at the Chiefs facility over you know by Arrowhead, and we won't be there this year, which will make it a different and maybe a little more challenging event to cover. Yeah, I think that's right. It's kind of interesting as long as we've worked together, and, and this is our first year working with Herbie on the draft. But there becomes sort of a certain innate sense of communication on okay, here's where we're going to go and who's going to do what and you kind of feel it out but but it always gets clarified there's always talk through and I think we're going to be on multiple platforms of communication but as we speak about this right now it occurs to me we don't have one set up just for Herbie Sam Blair and Vahe to be talking about who's writing what right now no, <laughs> and, no. I mean, that's a little maybe that's a little too much inside baseball here, but I, I, it, that's how we work, though, because we're all is. in a we're in a confined space yeah. at, at the, in the press facility. Which, by the, that should hold another topic of conversation that will attack uh, yeah. the confined space of the Chiefs' media room and how that might change <laughs> in a post-COVID world. Well, that's right, and and look, this was before my time, and I think you were certainly doing some stuff with the Chiefs, but but not as much as you've been doing now. It's my understanding that seven, eight, ten years ago that they, there was a much more spacious area granted to the media in there, but then they kind of kept trying to move the media farther outside the uh, the zone, right. so to speak. And now it is a pretty small room. I mean, it, and, it, and when you have uh, people coming in from all over the country during the week for Chiefs media conferences, you know, you, you, there's really not enough room to work. Used to be in the press box, um, and which is very spacious, but that'll, you know, I'll tell you what, I'm looking forward to the time where we can have a discussion yeah. about when we can get yeah. back to cover the team on a, you know, on, the, on that sort of basis. Absolutely. So, so what we don't know exactly, we'll, we'll cover the draft like we always have. We'll, we'll report, a, report the Chiefs picks and what's going on in the NFL. And, uh, you know, if, if the draft order holds for the Chiefs, it's going to be a long night with the Chiefs drafting last in the first round, which is a great thing because 32 is reserved for the Super Bowl champion. And uh, unless the Chiefs trade out of it, uh, that's where they're going to pick, which will be, which will end the first round uh, of the draft. And then you know, it'll be past our print deadlines. I don't think you'll see anything in the Friday editions of the Kansas City Star. It'll be all over KansasCity.com with, with several stories. But there is something a little bit different about our coverage 
of the draft this year, and you and I happen to be uh, practicing good social spacing, sitting in a studio at the Star where uh, you will be part of a uh, you know a, a program that will last as long as the first round of the draft, in which um, we come to you on Facebook Live and talk about the draft. The the Chiefs and other McClatchy newspapers in our newspapers in our chain, and that's about six or seven other NFL represent six or seven other NFL teams, and we're going to talk to reporters. Uh, sports editors, columnists from those papers about their teams and about the draft in general. Uh, For instance, uh, the Miami Dolphins, the Miami Herald is a McClatchy newspaper. The Dolphins have three picks in the the first round, so there'll be plenty of Dolphins discussion. Fort Worth Star-Telegram, former Kansas City Star reporter Clarence Hill covers the Cowboys, so there'll be plenty of Cowboys chatter, and several other teams uh, will fall into that category. Like I said, you know, uh, you will be on the telephone uh, speaking to us about the, your impressions of the draft and what the Chiefs might do, what other teams have done. It's it's going to be a different sort of uh, evening for you, and uh, and I'm hoping that your telephone line stays open. Well, I'm, I'm hoping the Wi-Fi is working well. And <laughs> up on our third floor of our house where my office room is, it sometimes uh, fades in and out. Not conveniently, by the way, just just fades in and out. So we got a little little Netgear power booster yesterday to see about that. And uh, yeah, I think our the word uh, to the wise in any of these situations, uh, deadline situations with moving parts, is you know stay nimble. And I think we're gonna we're gonna find ourselves needing to be, and we'll, and I'm sure we'll be more nimble than ever. But it's gonna be, I think, a very um, very interesting process for you in particular as kind of the helmsman of uh, of the operation. I, I, I think you're going to be doing, what do they call it, a whirl around where you're, yeah. you're, you're you yeah. know, Is that what they call to, it? Well, Some people would call it, you know, something <laughs> else. Uh, I, I see it more as a traffic cop sort of thing. I'll be, yeah. I'll have, there'll be some time to fill, that's for sure. Ten minutes between picks in the first round, 32 selections in the first round, not everybody uh, not every team has a first-round pick, but there are 32 selections, so there are some. There'll be some space to fill, and I'm hoping that we can use today's conversation to test drive a couple of topics that uh, that you might hear again <laughs> on Facebook Live Thursday night, and uh, we'll, we'll see if uh, we'll see if they work. The first one I wanted to hit. One is they're they're all somewhat Chiefs related. But um, but I think we can we can stretch them out also to include some um, some some national uh, perspective. And but let's start with this, Vahe. When you and I we are we are of the same age and grew up football fans at around this you know in the same frame right time frame yeah. early seventies into exactly. the seventies yeah. that sort of thing. The running back was a glamour if not the glamour position yeah. in pro football. Yeah, I. We, I don't know if I knew every NFL's team's quarterback, but I knew who their star running back was. When you got a pack of football cards when you were a kid, you were looking for that. You were looking for Earl Campbell, or yeah. you were looking for you know the, the, the Walter Payton. You were looking for the running the star running back, and the draft reflected that. Uh, running backs, NFL teams coveted running backs, and I think the list that I, I, I came up with was. The overall number one pick in the NFL draft over a 26-year stretch included nine 
running backs more than any other single. I, I didn't, you know what? I, I, quarterbacks probably are first in that. There are a lot of defensive players. I didn't, I didn't do the other positions, but nine out of twenty-six that started like in nineteen, maybe the early sixties, going through the seventies and into the early. I think I stopped it with Bo Jackson you, you in eighty-six, and, and and you stopped it there for a reason. Not only is Bo of great interest in Kansas City, but also. Uh, that was the last number one overall running back. The last. Since Which 1986. startled me when I saw that it, when you sent me this uh, infographic you did. That, that, that was, uh, I would never have guessed that would have been the last overall number one. Yeah, yeah. And listen, there, there have been some terrific running backs in, in the NFL since then. Some MVP type players. But, but nobody who a team believes should be the overall number one pick in an NFL draft. I think there are a few reasons for this. I think in... Uh, currently, if we can dial back for a, a few years, the, the role of the running back has changed a little bit, um, not used as often. Uh, but I also think that there is a financial consideration and a, uh, a usage situation with, with running backs as well. No player on a football team seems to be more used. It's, it's a poor choice of words, but, you know, the wear and tear on a running back yeah. is a different type of wear and tear than there is on, I think, on other players. Yeah, and I think if you, I, I got thinking about this through some of your prompts, and, and correct me if I'm wrong on this right away, but I can't think of a guy other than Derrick Henry right now that is the 35 carry a, a game guy, one guy. Right, I mean, maybe I'm just not thinking of something. No, well, Ezekiel Elliott with the with the Cowboys is, uh, you know, is. A valuable, certainly a valuable player, one of the top two or three running yeah. backs in the NFL. But Derrick Henry is certainly the. But maybe he's the, the prototype the of the, 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 you know, the offense is built around the running back. Yeah. I, I mean, again, there's maybe Elliott's probably a good example of a sort of counterpoint, but, but really, and that speaks to, as you noted, the whole evolution in offenses. That's part of it. Um, also, with that though, I think is this discovery. It's a little bit of the science of the game. Like these guys get beat up in ways. Over time, that uh, what position do you get more beat up? You don't. Nothing. I just I think they get. Listen, linemen obviously make contact on every play, but they don't they don't absorb the type of contact that a running back does. Yeah, it's a different form of thing, and and I think this is not at all to to diminish the the physicality of what linemen go through, but it's a different kind of impact, different kind of uh, you know just physics to it, um, and so. Play after play after play after play. So most teams, consequently, are, are not just focused on one back to get the carries, right? We've seen a lot of that. The other notion that uh, seems to have emerged, I think, too, is that you can – so you consider all that stuff, and the shelf life for these guys, the average is like four years. And generally speaking, the thinking has become that you can get a guy second round and up that is just as capable. You don't have to take – use a first-round pick on it. Guys like Jamal Charles was a third-round pick, I think. He was. Um, just things like that. I think it – but it's interesting how that – a trend sort of began and then it sort of begot more, right? And it, it's – I think it's just become the standard thinking now. Like, we don't have to spend a first-round pick on this. There's very few running backs that will change the complexion of a game the way you might see a quarterback or a receiver even be able to do now. So was it Saquon, uh, Saquon Barkley for Penn State was the number two pick a couple years ago, and he said he's had a terrific start to his NFL career. Now it hasn't helped the Giants in the win loss yeah, column, right? But you know he's 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 been really good. But that position 
doesn't seem to change a team's fortune, like obviously like a quarterback does, or even a good right. rush end. Yeah, um, well, right, right. But that's not the way we used to think of it. We used to no. think, boy, you get the running back who led the NCAA in rushing as a, as yeah. a senior, you've got, uh, you really got something. Yeah, and, and look, I mean, I guess it really does go, I, I, I don't have these numbers in front of me, and, and you might, knowing you and the, the computer uh, on your head, that you, you can kind of come up with these things from, from memory, but whatever it was, the tipping point was on, on the evolution into a more pass-happy game. I mean, when we were growing up, probably 25 passes a game was, was sort of the coin of the realm. Right. And, now and, and to lead the league in touchdown passes was usually somewhere in the high 20s. You know? Yeah. I mean, remember when Patrick broke Len Dawson's <laughs> touchdown record, you know, by 15 touchdown passes. Um, by 20. By Dawson 20. had 30. Yeah. Yeah. Dawson had 30. Um, that's right, and, and he wasn't even the record holder, right? It was Trent. Trent Green no, no, then, Dawson had the record oh, at thirty. Okay. At thirty, that was the Chiefs' team record yeah. for touchdowns, yeah. and that was set in the in the sixties. Yeah, so I mean, think about that. Um, now, more games now, et cetera, et cetera. But it, but it's it's a completely different game today, and I whatever that average passing number is now, it's got to be in the forties or high thirties or forties, yeah. and so you just run less. You don't. You don't. It's the theory of the Beauchamp Beckler theory of you know two things, three things happen when you pass. Two of them are bad. I I don't think that's Doesn't how people apply. think anymore. No. In fact, you can make a case, and we've talked about this a little bit with uh, the the show, uh, the the bit we did with Therese and Sam Mellinger about how the whole Chiefs' premise on drafting Patrick was we're going for it, and you're going for it with this. You're going for it with the arm and the and the brain and all that right. the quarterback can change in a game. Going for it isn't getting the best running back available. It's no, just not the case. No, it's not the case. It isn't. And I'm just, you know, uh, I couldn't come up with names earlier, but all of a sudden I'm, I'm thinking of John Riggins and Marcus Allen and Franco Harris, you know, Super Bowl winning type of players back in the day. And I listen, I, it, it just occurred to me, I know there was a debate after the Chiefs Super Bowl that maybe Damian Williams should have been the MVP of the game and not Patrick Mahomes. But I think that that speaks to what a, an, an unusually good productive game that a running back had in the yeah. Super Bowl to go over 100, yeah. 100 yards rushing. It just doesn't seem to happen much anymore. And look, I I, I think that that debate was a, a pretty pure, reasonable debate to have. I mean, it there's a million ways to break down what happened in those last minutes of the game. And I, I do think the overriding thought people mostly had, though, is they couldn't have won that game without Patrick. Now, you really look at Damian Williams' game. I don't think they could have won that game without him. I don't think so either. <laughs> you know? no. So it's not really a, a whatever the, the the term is. You know, one or the other. Um, but it was it was a terrific game by a running back who's been who has yeah. served the Chiefs well, who the Chiefs didn't draft. Uh, yeah, yeah. Which is sort of a reiteration of of the point and doing it in Miami, which didn't care to keep him. Right. So Chiefs running backs drafted in the Andy Reid uh, regime, uh, Andy Reid's John Dorsey slash Brett Veach regime. In 2013, they took Niall Davis in the third round. Third round, right, yeah. Yep. They also took Braden Wilson, who was a Kansas State fullback in the sixth round. He didn't make it through the preseason, but uh, basically two backs in that. Uh, in 2014, DeAnthony Thomas was drafted. He's listed as a running back. I didn't see him as a running back, more of a slot guy, return specialist, um, but after that, Kareem Hunt in the third round in 2017 and Darwin Thompson in the sixth round last year. So if you just true running backs, I'd say Niall Davis, Kareem Hunt, Darwin Thompson, three in seven years. 
there was a stretch for the Chiefs, uh, a 10-year stretch from 1994 when Greg Hill was their first-round pick. And Donnell Bennett, by the way, second-round pick. So he took running backs with their first and second picks in 94. 94 through 2003, they took 12 running backs, the Chiefs did. Um, so some mostly forgettable, but the final one in that group was Larry Johnson, who was in the took they took in the first round in two thousand and three, productive few seasons for the Chiefs, but the, that's the last time the Chiefs took a running back with their top pick. I just find that I just find the whole thing really interesting and and, and quite an evolution in football. A- absolutely, and 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 look, you're you're probably going here in a minute, but but a in, an interesting aspect of this is all right. So what is this? bode or mean or potentially signify for what what the Chiefs might be looking at here, right, among other things. Well, it, it seems to suggest there will be really good running backs available at number 32. If you feel that this is a chance to, if that is your greatest need or whatever that matrix they're going to use in terms of, you know, X talent fitting our scheme, fitting whatever. I mean, however they're going to look at it that we, we you know, we don't quite have that secret sauce. I think there's as good a chance as any they might do something like that. It depends on the guys left there. It depends on if, if three of those five, six top guys are already gone for some reason. But be interesting to see how they, how they approach it. I think it's an option for the Chiefs if a DeAndre Swift from Georgia or Jonathan Taylor from Wisconsin are on the board at 32, um, if, if the Chiefs consider a, a running back there. Taylor of, of Wisconsin is, a, is sort of a prime example of – a college player who who defines what we spoke about earlier in terms of wear and tear. He rushed for over two thousand yards twice at Wisconsin in a season. He has over six. I think yeah, he's like got seven yards, six and a half yard average. Yeah, right? I mean, you talk about a guy who who they rode uh, at, at at a school. It was it was Taylor. And so, does he come into the NFL with you know what, what's the lifespan of a, of a NFL running back? Who as a rookie, even even as a rookie with that sort of mileage on him? Well, it's a great question, right? On one hand, one hand you could see him as semi-seasoned. On the other hand, you could say this guy's already already damaged goods, right? Yeah. Even if it's not uh, evident yet, it, it, it's it's a great question. It's right at the crux of any question they have to ask themselves. You know, it is interesting to think about what the Chiefs' level of need is there, right? In one sense, you you have a feeling of a little bit of depth there, but on the other, you know, I don't know. I mean, what, what do you really feel about everybody after Damian Williams? Um, I mean, if, and, if, and, if and, Damian Williams were hurt. And, and he was hurt last year. And he was, this, you yeah. Know, led, the league, led the Chiefs in rushing with 400-plus right, yards. Right, Had the great, again, for the second straight year, terrific Playoff. postseason. Yeah. Um, I mean, we don't quite know enough about Darwin Thompson to, to think that, you know, He's a step right in guy and good to go. I, I, and I, I, everybody else just seems fairly pedestrian to me. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm just I'm not thinking this through enough on on who's shown what. Well, but I, I do think that the Chiefs have convinced themselves that they can find a running back elsewhere. They can find a free agent right. running back. Right. Well, they, they did that with with the, they, they got Spencer Ware in a trade with, uh, yeah. with the Seahawks. They picked up uh, Chuck Hendrick West. Those guys led the team in rushing in back to back seasons. Yeah. I just think the Chiefs look at that position. The way they look at interior offensive line is you don't necessarily need to use draft capital on on that position. That's I, I was just going to mention that thought too that it applies similar similarly to what they've done. I mean they've certainly obviously Eric Fisher and 
Mitch Morris, and there have been a couple other uh, linemen drafted. I'm not thinking of offhand. Well, Nick Allegretti last year, who Nick, basically yeah. basically took a redshirt year. Yeah, but but you look at at the makeup there; they've been happy to go out. Yeah, especially Mitchell, inside. Mitchell Schwartz is a good I, I think example. as, as yeah. long as they feel like they've got the tackles set with, and they do with Schwartz and Fisher. That the that the interior those guards and tackles I know they gave the contract to you know Laurent, Laurent Duvernay Tardif yeah but there was some talk after the season that he might be a guy who was expendable for salary cap reasons looks he'll be back but but they did some you know Remmers is is in because uh, Wisniewski is out and uh, Andrew Wiley will be back there, mm-hmm. there's there's just been some movement on the interior part of the offensive line for the Chiefs that um, that may not uh, that that doesn't you know may in terms of just acquiring talent, it's different there than other than other mm-hmm. places. It's just the, the Chiefs don't use the draft for often for those players. So, yeah. Hey, it's Blair. We have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners: unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Stars' award-winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns presented on the KansasCity.com site. And it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. Your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at $50 unless you tell us to cancel. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star. And that support has never been more important. Please visit KansasCity.com slash SportsBeatKC offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. That'll do it for today. Thanks to our production team of Derek Donovan, Savannah Smith, Randy Mason, Beth Welsh, Jeff Rosen, and Chris Fickett. As was mentioned in the show, we're going live with the NFL Draft. Join us. You can access through the Star's Facebook page. That's facebook.com slash Kansas City Star on Thursday starting at 6.45 p.m. we got a lot of interviews and features planned. But before then, we'll have another Sports Beat KC episode. On that, you'll hear the final projection for the Chiefs' first-round pick by star beat writer Herbie Teope. So join us Thursday morning for that show.